Welcome, Clear Creek family, and welcome to Church Online. Now, next week, we will resume our in-person worship gatherings right here. Um, But don't worry, if you're not comfortable joining us in person, you can join us online. We're still going to have the broadcast going live from our gatherings here. And so that is next week. But today, I'm so excited to be able to share with you what's going on today. See, over the past four months of lockdown, God has been teaching us so many things, and not just one person, but all of us. See, one of the things I love about the church is the church is not just one person with some idea sharing it with a bunch of people. The church is a community of faith, men and women who have encountered the living God, and God has been speaking to you these past months. And so it's important to us as a community to share our stories, not only for ourselves, but for one another. And so today, I'm so excited to welcome five different people who are going to take five minutes or less to each tell you one thing that God has been sharing with them. So before we get started, grab your notes from the House Church Guide online, or you can follow along right there in the notes tab on our website. But let's begin as we hear from our brothers and sisters what God has been teaching them over these past few months. Hi, I'm Bart Hardison, one of the shepherds here. And when I think about our experiences over the last four months, I remembered the movie Castaway, released in 2000. In that movie, Tom Hanks played a FedEx pilot who crash-landed and spent four years on a deserted island. About that movie, Tom Hanks said, I made Castaway because I wanted to examine the concept of four years of hopelessness. While I've certainly not been stranded for four years on a deserted island, who would have imagined that over the last four months I'd be stranded at home with my family? Each of us are keenly aware that we have little little to no control over the events going on in the world around us. Like many of our neighbors, there is a real sense of hopelessness. Like Chuck Nolan, Hank's character in the movie, we all had to start surviving. On the island, Chuck needed water, food, shelter, and fire. Chuck had to find these things with little or no tools or supplies. But unlike Chuck, as followers of Christ, we are all uniquely equipped for survival in this world. Here's the thing. God has empowered each individual to survive hopelessness together. God has empowered each individual to survive hopelessness. Let me explain. Water Jesus is the water of life. Food, Jesus is the bread of heaven. Shelter, we have a home prepared for us in heaven. And fire, well, in this life, we have God's Holy Spirit living and working in us. God has equipped us for survival in an uncertain world. He has given us reason for hope when on the surface things would seem hopeless. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, 1 through 8, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access into His grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. And the hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
Rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But there's one more thing that Chuck needed, and that was companionship. This is where Wilson came in, his faithful volleyball. Like Hank's character, we need companionship, we need connections. But not artificial relationships like Wilson, who wasn't real. You see, companionship is one thing we cannot create ourselves. God has empowered each individual to survive hopelessness together. That's why God gave us one another. We do not have to live alone on deserted islands. Listen, if you're not in a small group, I would encourage you to join one. Better yet, create one. Each of us are uniquely able to explain the hope we have in Christ to the people around us. In such a time as this, our community is in dire need of hope and the love of Christ. Consider with me as we get back together this challenge. Will I have the faith to share the hope I have with those around me? Or, as things get back to normal, will I safely retreat into what is comfortable? Good morning, church. I have missed each and every one of you so much through this time of stillness and solitude. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Katrina Cape, and I'm a domestic missionary here at Clear Creek. I get to go out to our streets here in Chattanooga and minister to addicted women who are being sexually exploited. God sure knew who to pick to do this because I am loud, colorful, and a type A personality. Do we have any other type A's online today? I'm sure we do. We are the ones who are used to calling the shots, making the plans, and getting our hands the dirtiest. And I know you can relate when I say that this time in quarantine has been especially difficult for us. Friends, I want to share something with you that I learned during this time of stillness because God changed me. And it's not enough that He changed me. I want you to be changed too. Here's what I learned. Discipleship is not about showing how strong and smart I am. It's about showing how smart and strong God is. Way back in our day, when we walked 12 miles in the snow to school before all this COVID mess happened, I was in constant prayer that God would show me the miracle He did for me and someone else. I wanted to see another woman with my background as a disciple to others. And I worked hard, face-to-face, discipling with women on the streets. But now, what was I supposed to do when I couldn't see them face-to-face anymore? Well... God answered my prayer anyway. I met a girl outside of my regular mission grounds. We're going to call her Naomi. All of my girls are tough, but man, she was the toughest. I began ministering to her and everything went well for a week until I had this grand idea that she was the one. God had given me all this extra time and I just knew that this was my purpose in the lockdown to disciple to her and turn her into a disciple. Through a series of events, I was able to pick up three survivors that are currently in a safe home working a program of Christ-centered recovery and take them way out of their comfort zones to minister to Naomi. We spent the whole day with her. We cleaned. We did laundry. 
And a survivor even read scripture aloud to her in her room before we all prayed together. Unfortunately, things didn't work out with Naomi. She made some choices that made it unsafe to continue ministering to her. I was heartbroken. This was supposed to be the way that God used me in the pandemic. She was supposed to be a disciple. I cried out to God, when will my prayers be answered? And then he answered me. He already had. Not just one woman had discipled someone else, but three women. Three women took a leap of faith and went out to the mission grounds to serve a lost soul. I was ashamed. I'd gotten so caught up in my ideas that I forgot about the creator of all ideas. He's the one who thought up the idea of thinking. He's the one who created a perfect plan. And I told God what I tell him so often. Yes, God, I'm a sheep. Bah! I truly need my shepherd. I felt like such a failure. Then I was reminded of Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, I love that. Here's the one thing I want you to remember. Even if you forget me or any of the other women in this story, remember this. As a matter of fact, write it down if you don't mind. Discipleship is not about showing how strong and smart I am. It's about showing how smart and strong God is. Let me say it again for those of you in the back. Discipleship is not about showing how strong and smart I am. It's about showing how smart and strong God is. He can always one-up this type A personality, and I love it when he does. His ideas are always so much better than mine. I want to leave you with this question today, and I'm sure that like me, you will have many answers. When has God's idea been so much better than your idea? Family, can we pray together? God, I just want to say thank you for our weaknesses. I want to say thank you for all of our shortcomings and imperfections. Thank you for hardships and difficulties because that is when we could see you the most clearly. God, open our eyes today to who you created us to be in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, good morning. I am Michael Chambers. I am the high school minister here at Clear Creek. So a few years back, um, when I was about a junior in college, my then-girlfriend, now wife, Abby, and I, we were on a trip from Nashville. We had spent the afternoon there back to Cookville. Um, and we had hit kind of a rocky point in our relationship at this point, so I was hoping this trip would be you know, a good, positive experience for us, something to kind of help help us get moving in the right direction. And um, we, we set back out on the road after being in Nashville, and it was about 45 minutes down the road on I-40, and uh, my car starts to act kind of funny, and um, I, I, I want to ignore it. I want to just, you know, deal with it later, um, but it, it's, it gets to a point that I'm like, okay, I think I need to pull off and, and see what's going on. So I pull off the interstate, and boom, right then my car dies on me. Well, I'm able to coast into a gas station, and there's a guy there who's nice enough to help us out, and so... He gets us jump back off, and I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're moving again. Let's get back on the road. And um, it isn't but 15 minutes later, uh, boom, we die again. Same exact thing happens. But isn't that just how it goes sometimes? Sometimes we have all of our plans laid out for us, and then something completely out of our control just derails those plans. 
I think about this season of quarantine and think about the fact there's no way any of us could have planned for this, uh, but it's the season that we find ourselves in. And yet one lesson that I have learned through that process is that we are not fully in control of our lives. And knowing that can lead us to a place of either fear or to freedom. Now Jesus directs, uh, directly addresses this point in John chapter 16 where he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really go out that day and plan, go out in the morning and plan to have trouble. I don't, I don't wake up thinking, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go get stuck in traffic today. Or, or I think I'm going to have an argument with a friend. And I certainly didn't wake up uh, three months ago thinking, you know what, I think I'm going to quarantine for three months and go on lockdown in my house. That, that, that isn't how we operate. We don't plan for trouble. Instead, we, we make our plans and our schedules around the idea that everything's going to go how we expect it to. But in this verse, Jesus doesn't say, hey guys, be ready. There might be some times things don't go how you planned for them to. No, he, he definitively says beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will have trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that honestly scares me a little bit. Um, he's making the promise that the control I think I have on my life I really don't have it. And the easiest response, the human response to that is, is stress and fear. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Now, don't let the weight of that slip by you. I have overcome the world. The world, this thing that we don't have control over, this thing that, um, that causes all this stress and this fear, he's saying Take heart, I have overcome it. Is there not such a sigh of relief in that? Is there not freedom in realizing that the one who created the world also has control over and has overcome it in all of its trouble? And so now when I think about um, the fact that I have no control over this life, um, I can find freedom in the fact that, that I don't have to. Because when I turn it over to God, I know that whatever he's going to do with my current circumstances is far greater than whatever I had originally planned. You know, I think back on that trip from, from Nashville to Cookville with Abby. Um, and, and yes, my car broke down twice. And yes, it made what should have been probably a one-hour trip into like a five-hour trip. Uh, but at a rough patch in our relationship, that trip ended up being one of the funniest experiences we had had as a couple in a while. We were able to laugh and bond over just the ridiculousness of the scenario and take just a little step forward in our relationship. I think back on that, and, and I don't know what would have happened how that trip, if that trip had gone down how I had planned for it to. But what I do know is that no matter how hard I try to control my life, I can't. And that can lead me to either fear or to freedom. And what I've learned is that when I hand it over to God, he's going to make something so much greater out of it than what I had originally planned for. So I want to leave you with this. In what area do you feel like you have lost control, and how can you turn that over to God? Hello, I'm Laura Harbin, the Children's Minister for Clear Creek. Time out 2020. Timeouts can be called for various reasons. 
but ultimately it's because there has been a shift in attention. In sports, maybe a player missed a signal or an object gets thrown onto a field from a fan. As a child, sometimes you might not be following the rules or hurting someone else. Other times, it's simply because you're not listening to the person in charge. In any circumstance, a timeout brings a pause, an interruption, a standstill. This year, the entire world has had a big timeout due to the coronavirus, and I was reminded of another timeout that happened in my life. I would like to share with you today the one thing God began to teach me and how it helped during these last few months of our collective timeout. It was nearly 10 years ago. God had moved our growing family from Chattanooga to a small town just far enough away I couldn't run back to comfort and familiarity every week. I was transitioning from working to staying at home with our very young sons at the time. It became real still, real quiet, real quick. Finding a church was important to us, so we began our search, but it didn't go so well. Frustration and disappointment quickly set in. How would our boys grow to know and love Jesus without a church that offers great Bible classes and a strong community of people that would help point them to Jesus? One evening, a friend called, and she immediately sensed my new frustration. As casual as she could be, she said to me clearly the one thing God was ready to teach me as a new parent. She said, why are you reliant only on a Bible class at a church to grow your child's faith? You can do that at home. I can. Now, of course, I knew that from my experience in ministry before and knowing the research and the stats that any faith instilled at home as a child is likely to stick as they grow into an adult. But now it was time for God to say, time out. You've got to do this as a parent now. Apply that. As a parent. Fast forward to 2020, our family is back in Chattanooga, back in ministry, and thrilled to be a part of a community again. As far as our boys, they are now 9 and 11. Life is full, loud, and good. Then, time out. 2020. Here we are. No church to attend, no Bible class to go to, lost the fellowship, no, not able to host people in our home. And about two weeks in, I'd finished all my phone calls to all the children's ministry families and teachers. And I got sad. Quick. The tears were coming. So I put on my sunglasses. I go mow the yard. Nobody can hear me while I'm mowing the yard as I'm crying. I was so sad and I lost because I didn't know when our church would be full again of people serving and loving the Lord. And I said to the Lord, what is this? What am I supposed to do now? How is this going to work? What do you want me to do? And God gently reminded me of what my friend said all those years ago. You can do this at home, and so can they, and I'm here to help you. Got it. I stopped crying, and I started focusing on Deuteronomy 6, 4-7. Listen, people of Israel, the Lord is our God. He is the only one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Always remember the commands I give you today. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down and you get up. God has commissioned us to do this at home. So pick a time to pray together. Discover the Bible together. 
Commit to memorizing a verse each month. Learn to worship God together in listening or singing songs and talk about where you see God each day. Church, as we come out of Time Out 2020, like most Time Outs, we probably need to come out and do better. So my question for you today is, what is one way you can learn and teach the love of God this week? Because remember, you can do this at home. Good morning, guys. My name is Evan Aldridge. I'm the discipleship minister here. And uh, during this time of quarantine, I, I came across a meme that really spoke to me that I wanted to share with you guys. And it said, does it feel like life is being written by a fourth grader? And there was this virus, and everyone was scared, and then the world ran out of toilet paper, and then there was no school for a month, and then it snowed. Uh, you know, it felt like somebody flipped a switch, and everything that we knew, um, all of our routines, kind of got turned on their head. Uh, and for me personally, the thing that it hit me the most was how it affected my Sunday morning. And if you're anything like me, even if it was just for a second, uh, you thought to yourself, how in the world am I supposed to be a follower of Jesus if I can't even get up and go to church on Sunday morning? Well, the good news is, and really the biggest takeaway for me uh, during our time in quarantine has been this. Jesus called us to be disciples, not churchgoers. You know, we don't go to church uh, to become followers of Jesus, we go to church because we already are followers of Jesus. Uh, if you look over in Matthew 28 and Jesus' final words to his disciples, he says, go and make churchgoers of all nations. No, he doesn't. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, but if we really think about it and if we're really being honest with ourselves, maybe over the years we have accidentally made churchgoers in some cases instead of disciples. Uh, you know, a buddy of mine kind of challenged me on this, and he said, okay, I want you to think about all the time and effort and energy that you put into actually going to church on Sunday morning. I was like, all right, you know, you get up early, you typically wear nicer clothes, uh, you plan your weekend sometimes around it, and my list kind of kept growing. And he said, all right, now, do you put that much time, effort, and energy into telling other people about Jesus? Ouch. You know, that was a tough conversation for me. Uh, you know, and, and quick disclaimer, going to church is important. Finding a time where you can regularly meet with other followers of Jesus to worship is an important part of the Christian life. I mean, Jesus went to church. A lot of times when Jesus went to church, he often got into arguments with the church leaders, but that is a totally different lesson uh, for a totally different time. But going to church is an important and part of our Christian life. But at the end of the day, Jesus called us to be disciples and not simply churchgoers. And honestly, this is great news. Uh, over in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to see uh, what someone who is following me is supposed to look like, don't look at the outside stuff. Look at the fruit that they bear. Uh, in Matthew seven sixteen, he says this, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Uh, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then if we read on in Scripture, we see that the fruit he's talking about is things like peace 
It's things like kindness and, and patience. Now, can you go to church and bring peace to those around you? Absolutely, I hope that you do. But do you have to do that to be a follower of Jesus? Do you have to do that at a church building to be a follower of Jesus? No. Can you go to church and be kind? No. But you don't have to be at a church building to bring kindness to the world. And honestly, here's why this is such great news for all of us. It removes so many barriers to be able to be the person, the type of people that Jesus has called us to be. We say here a lot in our church family, we want to be a multiplying and a reproducing church. Now think just for a second. If Jesus called us to be churchgoers, the first thing we would do to be able to fulfill that vision is we would have to go out and find construction crews. We would have to raise money to find churches or buy churches or build churches. But he didn't. He called us first to be disciples. Another reason why this is great news is because whenever Jesus said, I want you to be a disciple, not necessarily a churchgoer, it meant that nothing could take away what it meant to be one of his followers. You can't get up and go to church on Sunday morning. You can still be a follower of Jesus. If you live in a country where the government says you can't even meet together, you can still be a follower of Jesus. Are you sick? Are you traveling? Is there a flood? Is there a global pandemic? You can still be a follower of Jesus. So, just for the next few moments, I want us to think about this, and I want us to think about um, this important question. During quarantine, what fruit have you been able to bear more fully? Thinking about the fact that we are disciples and not churchgoers. It's about the fruit we bear, not about the places we go. So what fruit have you been able to bear more fully during our time in quarantine? Well, again, everyone, thank you for being with us today. And I am so grateful for how God continues to teach us and how as a church, we are truly better together. Next week, we will be back here for live in-person gatherings. Reserve your seats. Go online to clearcreekcoc.org slash reopen to reserve your space. And we'll look forward to seeing you here next week. May God bless you.